I went with this large group of people, and the person um, who had arranged our dinner did the ordering. Uh, there was a delicious mushroom dish. I was not aware that uh, these mushrooms had hallucinogenic uh, properties. I learned that later. Ah, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, and when she tells you that Bidenomics are working, keep in mind that uh, she could still be tripping her brains out because the communists drugged her with psilocybin, or some variation on psilocybin in communist China. They put it in her food, and uh, then who knows what happened. They Maybe they brought Bill Cosby in or something. Nobody's sure where it went from there. wonder how Bill Cosby's doing. Does he still have access to roofies? Anybody still hanging out with him? You know, the Huxtables. Whatever happened to that? Well, happy Tuesday uh, once again. I, You know, I've got to get to my... Got to get to my uh, jury duty story. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was called uh, to serve as a citizen of the District of Columbia on a jury, a, uh, a petit or petite jury. And uh, yesterday, I arrived at the courthouse in downtown Washington, D.C., not far from Capitol Hill and Pennsylvania Avenue and, and uh, stuff, to the courthouse for, for my jury duty. And I got there at 8 a.m., uh, truth be told, about three minutes after 8 a.m., and uh, wandered in the place. It was like it was Sunday. There was nobody in there. Nobody works there, but n- nobody really ever has. It's D.C. And uh, there were some people there, and some of them were very nice, actually. The nice lady that I checked in with to uh, show my ID and get my jury ID number uh, and all that stuff. Very nice woman, very pleasant. A district employee behind bulletproof glass, naturally. And uh, even though you go through magnetometers to get there, they figure people are crafty, and, and it's D.C., everybody's shooting each other, for crying out loud. So I got my, uh, and it uh, took forever, and it was kind of, oh, I didn't even uh, share with you. I, I sent the, uh, the siren when we, uh, the fire alarm went off, right, because I was in the courthouse for about an hour when the fire alarm was sounded inside the courthouse building, and the squawker uh, announced that everyone should evacuate the building because of the fire alarm, right? And I, I knew that it was uh, BS, of course, because it's D.C., and there was an announcement being made on the, on the PA system. And uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of amusing for me, but all the, the jurors, and honestly, everybody was kind of smirking and shaking their heads. Nobody believed it, you know? And the eh, 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 evacuate the building, evacuate the building. And of course, it's a secure building. Again, you got to go through magnetometers to get in. And so once they forced not just the jurors, but all the employees of the courthouse building out of the building, uh, it was uh, just a moment. And I hadn't left. I was holding doors for people because I'm a gentleman. And, and also, I didn't I detect any fire, and I didn't believe it was legit. I figured some Democrat pulled the fire alarm because they you know, wanted to go smoke crack before coming back in for whatever reason. And um, uh, then they announced, very shorter, uh, the the emergency is over. Please return to the building or whatever. But now everybody's outside. And and it, uh, and, and the, I, I was close to the jury room. I went back in and sat down. They were showing movie clips and stuff of courtroom dramas and uh, 12 Angry Men and 
and the Lincoln lawyer and other things. And um, and I sat down, and then they came in and they announced, well, because everybody was forced out of the building because of a fake fire alarm, um, it's going to take a half an hour or 45 minutes for everyone to get through the magnetometers, go through security, coming back in, right? Isn't that right? Isn't that great? And, um, yeah, it uh, then... Then it was another hour, and then the, the, I was uh, sent over to uh, another room. There's a, a court uh, room, and, um, and the nice lady judge in there, and she was very smart, actually, uh, the, the lady judge. And everybody was a lady. The two prosecutors were women. The defense attorney was a woman. The judge was a woman. The uh, court clerk was a woman. The stenographer was a woman. I was like, hey, come on, a little something for the effort over here. And, and they gave us numbers. They gave us numbers. And uh, I was number 51 out of 54. I'm holding it up right now. I'm holding up my number 51. See, I'm holding it up to the microphone. And my, uh, my juror uh, thing, my petit, petit juror, and, uh, and my jury number, my juror number. And I'm, uh, now I'm in the courtroom. But I'm number 51 out of 54 jurors, out of 54 jurors. I'm 51. It just turned out that way quite randomly. And they gave me a little paper card, everybody a little paper card, clips onto your jury thing on your clothes, you know. And uh, and they had every, seated everybody in very orderly fashion inside the courtroom. The judge explained everything that's going on. I don't, I don't want to use names and things. but And there was a man, the accused in there, accused of a firearms crime in Washington, D.C., possession, not shooting anybody, and possession of a magazine, that exceeded the 10-round capacity that is allowed if you have a legal gun in Washington, D.C. So gun charges, and, and um, they gave the address. And turns out he was arrested four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago, and it is a speedy trial, timely uh, justice. Uh, four and a half years. February of 2019, he was arrested in Washington, D.C. with an illegal firearm that had an illegal magazine. All right. And uh, so then, then they do the voir dire, have some Madeira, my dear. Had They did the voir dire, and they started with number one, with number one. And uh, they were coming to me, and I'm in the back of the room lined up by number. Number 50 is sitting to my right. Number 52 is uh, actually he was sitting to my left. Number 52 is sitting to my right. Then 53, 54, and that's it. Those are all the jurors, right? And so they're going through the voir dire process. And I'm already, I'm looking forward to it. To me, it's like a job interview, you know. And uh, I'm not going to get the job, but I was looking forward to the uh, voir dire process because I'm going to have fun. Um, I can tell you that last time, several years ago now, I was called for a jury duty. I was brought up to the, uh, and they turned the little noisemaker on so people can't hear you all over the courtroom. And the uh, nice judge lady asked a, uh, a series of questions uh, last time around and said, Said, uh, said, and explained up front, I'm going to ask you what you do for a living, right? Because it's Washington, whatever. And, uh, and so they asked, what do you do for a living? And I said, I host a, uh, a, a talk show on the radio. And at that point, I'm like E.F. Hutton. And the two prosecutors lean in with their eyebrows up, and the two defense attorneys lean in with their eyebrows up, and the judge leaned forward and said, what kind of radio talk show? <laughs> and I said... Well, Your Honor, this usually explains it. You see, I'm on from 9 a.m. till noon, and Rush Limbaugh is on from noon till 3. Several years ago, the great Rush Limbaugh was still with us, and, uh, and, I, you know, and I, I probably uncontrollably smirked 
a little. And uh, and it was at that moment when I looked at their faces, quick turn to the left, quick turn to the right, I knew that uh, I was going to be free for the rest of the day, right? Because that's uh, they don't want somebody that does conservative talk radio. Now, I um, yesterday was waiting patiently, and I was going to be asked, uh, you know, the same thing. And I say, well, I'm, you know, a conservative talk radio show host, and I host a, a show on Newsmax called Chris Plant, The Right Squad. The Right Squad. Now, I knew that they were not going to invite me to serve on the jury. I'm, I'm a happy and proud American citizen. I'm not looking to dodge my duty and my responsibility as a citizen. But I know that when they ask me the question, I give them a truthful answer that they're going to self-immolate on the inside, and I'll be done. In any case, back to yesterday. They go through the doing the uh, the voir dire process and and uh, and all this good stuff, and they and they get to number fifty, who's the guy sitting to my left, and uh, and and they have a chair halfway between me and the judge. They call it their on deck chair, the on deck chair, and that is when when they're interviewing uh, voir diring number fifty, juror number fifty. I, as juror number fifty one, am supposed to move move up to the on deck chair, and then there are. Um, the people behind me, 52, 53, and 54, those are the last jurors who are almost done with the voir dire process. And, and they're interviewing, they're voir diring number 50, juror number 50, who I'd been talking to a bit. Uh, he was kind of moody. And then I'm in the on-deck chair. I'm on the on-deck chair. Uh, and, um, and just as the judge finishes with number 50, she turns the noisemaker off. She leans back into her microphone. I start standing up because I know she's going to say, juror number 51, come forward, right? And then 52, 53, 54, and then we're done with the voir dire process for everybody. And just as I start to stand up, she holds her hand up at me like a stop sign. And she says, "Um, we've had a discussion here, the prosecution, the defense, and the judge. We've had a discussion here. We now believe we have uh, jurors sufficient to empanel a jury and so juror number 51, numbers 52, 53, and 54, thank you for your service. You're free to go. Holy cow. That's the, uh, but what about me? Come on, I felt kind of left out. Also, I was wearing a uh, sh- dress shirt, a tie, and a very snappy jacket, jacket, black jeans, um, but um, a nice jacket and a shirt and tie. And uh, I had noticed earlier that there were, I was one of two people wearing a tie out of 54 jurors. There was another man wearing a tie, and me, no women wearing ties. But people at jury duty are wearing shorts and sandals and T-shirts and are scrubby and look like they just rolled out of bed, and maybe they just did. And uh, so anyway, I was sent packing, and I was like, you know, lady, she actually seemed, I don't want to use her name because you're not supposed to talk about this stuff, whatever, uh, but she was very smart, seemed to be a very smart 40-ish year old uh, woman, uh, very well-spoken, and uh, didn't get a chance to hear from the, the other actors in the, uh, in the play, but it was remarkable. And yeah, and I still have, right now, my number 51, I'm showing it to Michael, showing it to the studio on the side, and my juror tag. But I, uh, once again, I didn't get to serve as a uh, juror, um, but this one was kind of different. It was fun. Also going in, I had to miss the radio show. That's why I wasn't here yesterday. Uh, also, going in to the uh, jury room, they've got all kinds of crazy 
because, you know, Democrats. Um, but there is a sign when you come in says, enter here in English. And then below that, entre aquí, enter here in Espanol on the sign. And then at least two people in the jury pool were told to go away because their English wasn't good enough. Because they speak Spanish, they're Spanish speakers, and they didn't speak English well enough, but they still have the signs for them outside in Spanish, right? Because, you know, Democrats. That's, uh, that's your Democrat. And you remember uh, Barack Obama saying that uh, don't worry about immigrants learning to speak English. You need to learn to speak Spanish, right? But the, uh, while we were sitting in the, in the jury room before going into the courtroom, uh, this is what it sounded like in the courthouse. May I have your attention, please? There has been a fire emergency reported in the building. Reported. Please evacuate the building by the nearest exit. Evacuate the building Do by the nearest exit. Do not use the elevators. Do not use the elevators. That's a great noise. That's a, the truck is backing up on somebody in a wheelchair. That was the, uh, uh, you know, that, that's your uh, thing. And then uh, moments later, uh, there is no emergency, but it was long enough. To, uh, there, there were like a couple hundred people outside. Now everybody's got to go through mags because, you know, D.C., D.C. And I got to say, this guy uh, arrested four and a half years ago, finally getting his day in court. That's crazy. Guilty. Guilty. Truth is, I'd be an incredibly fair and scrupulous uh, juror. Uh, But in D.C., I don't think I'll ever be picked. I'll just keep going back and wasting a day. And uh, they'll never pick me. You know, I'm wearing a tie. I showered. I shaved. I dressed like an adult. These are all strikes against you when it comes to being in the D.C. jury pool. Am I right? Yes, of course I am. Hey, uh, breaking news for all of us. President Biden's plan to introduce a digital dollar is already underway, and it's vitally important to understand the potential consequences for yourself, for your family, your future, your retirement. And contrary, believe it or not, to their, their claims, this initiative may not be in your best interest. Time is of the essence, so taking action now is absolutely necessary to protect yourself and your financial future. You can help protect your savings and your family from the risks of the digital dollar by diversifying with gold and silver IRAs. Call the experts at American Alternative Assets. Call them today at 888-4-GOLD-20. Three-eighths. Four gold 20. That's 888-446-5360. They'll give you all the guidance you need on safeguarding your retirement savings and your family's future. Say no to Joe Biden's crazy digital dollar. Call 888-4-GOLD-20. That's 888-446-5360. Call them now. Individual results may vary. There is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. Seek your own legal tax investment and financial advice before opening an account. Yeah. Chris Plant would be juror. But no. Evacuate the building. All right, we've got more crazy Democrats. Uh, boy, lots. And uh, then the legal expertise that you need to hear coming right up. We're at 888 630 9625.
Hey, it's Chris Plant, excited to tell you about our July 2024 Listener Sea Cruise. We'll be sailing around the British Isles, visiting Scotland and Ireland. Please join us. Book by this July 31st for extra savings. Visit ChrisPlantCruise.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. Ah, yes. The old election deniers. They're everywhere. Round them up. We're going to need uh, more prison space by the time we're done with this process because Democrats are telling us, you know, if you say the election wasn't legitimate, that that's against the law, unless they say it over and over and over again. All right, where are we? Let's go back to uh, the Democrats. I mean, the media. I mean, the Democrats. I mean, the media. She's my sister. She's my daughter. Let's go to, uh, where'd we leave off, Michael? Number 12. Number 12. We're going to number 12. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Stacey Abrams denying the, uh, the Georgia election. That's fine. Hillary denying the 2016 election. That's fine. The DNC chair and now former governor of Virginia denying the 2000 election. That's fine. That's fair. Right? We got members of Congress, Jimmy Carter. Arrest them all. Round them up. Charge them all with crimes. How dare they? Don't they know they're destroying our democracy, which is a republic? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got more for you. And, uh, and then legal advice for the Democrats. rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. I spent the the interim 10 days between the election and my non-concession day, as we call it. Uh, (laughs) In fact, someone outside asked if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. Ah, Stacey Abrams, a big election denier in Atlanta, Georgia, ironically, where President Trump was charged today. So she should have the handcuffs on and the ankle shackles be dragged away by her hair, thrown into a prison cell from which there is no escape and where there are no cameras and no security guards around like, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, who didn't kill himself. Okay, so we got that going. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Uh, Isn't that amazing? 
All right, now, that's uh, stays. Now, you're a Democrat. You can deny elections all you want. But the filthy Soviet-style corrupt Democrats will arrest you if you do the same thing, and you're not a Democrat. Hmm, isn't that fascinating? Yes, it is. All right, let's get to, uh, let's see, let's get to, um, you know, we got, uh, we've got legal things to get to as well, because there are some people who are not criminals like Hillary Clinton, and, and uh, they know the law. And in fact, um, Professor Alan Dershowitz uh, of the Harvard Law School, Professor Emeritus, um, he was one of the, he's a Democrat, lifelong Democrat. They've tortured him and canceled him, and the, they'll probably burn down his house soon on Martha's Vineyard because he doesn't sing from the fascist uh, uh, storybook. <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, so let's go, let's jump ahead, actually, to, um, to number 14. Alan Dershowitz, um, he was one of the lawyers on Team Democrat in Florida in 2000 when Al Gore lost the election to George W. Bush, but they declared it was stolen and they uh, challenged it and they took it to court. It eventually went all the way to the Supreme Court because they don't give up easily and they'll fight you hammer and sickle to the very end uh, because they want power. Uh, President Trump, you know, he almost ran on a lurk. You know, he said, well, man, you know, and then he uh, started having a good time doing it because they attacked him all the time. And he said, well, I'm not going to sit still for that. And he started punching back. But back to Alan Dershowitz. He was part of Team Democrat in Florida in 2000. The challenged election, the Democrats challenged it. They took it to court. They took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the uh, people like Terry McAuffle, the Democratic National Committee chair, uh, still screaming that it was stolen. And that's fine. No indictments, no arrests. But they should be indicted now. Republican prosecutors need to get busy on whatever level of government indicting these people and uh, ideally raiding their homes with lots of armed men with body armor and rifles to drag them out and charge them with crimes because this is the fascist uh, America that the Democrat Party is pushing for. And it needs to be revealed to the American people. Uh leftists will be fine with this because, you know, they want to fire on Fort Sumter every day. Here is Alan Dershowitz last night talking to, to Sean Hannity and the, the uh, very left-wing Harvard Law professor Lawrence Tribe uh, was also involved in the 2020 election challenge in Florida, along with Democrat Alan Dershowitz. It's pretty much the same thing I did and Professor Lawrence Tribe did. And those of us who were on the Al Gore team, uh, I was representing the voters of Palm Beach County. And we were saying, please uh, check this county, that county, uh, find this vote, find those votes. We think there are more votes. We did the same thing. And Professor Tribe wrote a memorandum, a legal memorandum, uh, essentially laying out a strategy very similar to the strategy for which these folks are, are being indicted today. So if you look back, at the 2000 election and the protests, I still think to this day, and I'll say it here on television, that that election was stolen from Al Gore by by uh, by Bush, that he won the actual election. I'm saying that. Are they going to come after me now? See, isn't that great? He, because um, in my America, he gets to say that. But the fascists in the Democrat Party will arrest President Trump if he says that. And the fascists running a lot of companies in America will fire you if you say that because they're not liberals, they're leftists. And leftists 
are fascists. See Herr Hitler's Socialist Workers Party next door to the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Uh, And so the precedent was actually set by Harvard professors like Lawrence Tribe and Alan Dershowitz fighting on behalf of their party, the Democrat Party. But Professor Alan Dershowitz has enough respect for the Constitution and the law that uh, he says it out loud. And look, uh, there are others, uh, again, Mick Offel and, and others who still say that 2000 was stolen, that 2004 was stolen, any presidential, presidential election that they lost in the 21st century, including Hillary Clinton in 2016. So round them up. Honestly, get the armored vehicles, crash through the front of their houses, come out with battering rams and rifles, helmets and, you know, little spotlights, those little flashlights on your helmets. Alan Dershowitz last night uh, talking to Hannity. It's pretty much the same. Oops. The idea is we're all part of the United States, and we have one rule for Democrats, one rule for Republicans, one rule for Martha's Vineyard, one rule for Nantucket, one rule for Georgia. And you cannot start making crimes out of things that the Democrats did, Tilden Hayes, John Kennedy election, 2000 election, 2016 election. Jamie uh, Raskin gets up and does some of the same things. The John Kennedy election was famously stolen by the Democrats and John F. Kennedy's father, um, you know, Big Joe Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy Sr., uh, when they went to him on election day, the day before and on election day, said, hey, you know, we're going to need to pour money into more money into West Virginia and Illinois. And he said, uh, Joe Kennedy famously said, I'm not paying for a landslide here, right? I'm not paying for a landslide here. Uh, Richard Nixon was his opponent, had been Eisenhower's vice president, of course, was the Republican nominee in 1960. Richard Nixon knew that there was all kinds of chicanery, and in particular in Illinois with the Democrat machine in Chicago and in Springfield, and with the unions in West Virginia. And Richard Nixon, this was well known at the time, and uh, Richard Nixon opted to not you know, burn the place down over it. But everybody knew that the Kennedy team had bought uh, West Virginia and Illinois. And, uh, and that's uh, Dershowitz ref- references it uh, last night, like everybody knows this, because everybody knows this. Alan Dershowitz. These are political actions that the Constitution prefers us to take rather than going out on the streets and rioting. We're supposed to go to court. We're supposed to go to Congress. You can't make those things crimes. And you can't expand the RICO statute to now include political objections. That just, you know, on, on my podcast, I give bananas every day. I was up bananas. to two bananas, sort of banana republic. I'm now up to three, maybe even four after this indictment. The banana republic, he might be listening to my show, too. and be a lot smarter if, if he were. Uh, you're not supposed to go out in the street and riot, although the Democrats do that all the stinking time. Filthy, violent mobs, they're still looting place after place after place. And is Kamala still raising money for bail for the mob violence in the streets? Because she did that. And and honestly, it's he said you can't, you know, criminalize it because Republicans do it when Democrats have done it again and again. Of course you can. Look at January 6th. The Democrats did January 6th impersonations, insurrections, all attacks on the uh, Marco Hatfield courthouse in uh, Portland, the attacks in Seattle. You know, Seattle is uh, burning in the pits of hell right now economically, and businesses are fleeing, and people don't go out at night. And because of the Democrat Party, 
because of the Democrat Party. And and honestly, you know, this the, the same thing that they did with January 6th, the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, that, oh, this is an I can't believe this happened. This is unbelievable. You guys stopped rioting about 20 minutes earlier. You guys normalized rioting from coast to coast. You made it uh, de rigueur. You made it normal to uh, have mobs of violent people taking political action. And uh, and then when a bunch of people got into their head, hey, this has been normalized by the Democrat Party and a very small number of uh, people. It was a mostly peaceful day, by the way, on Capitol Hill and in Washington, D.C. And uh, and then the media took it. And I said uh, the day after, I said they're going to turn this into Pearl Harbor. They're going to turn it into September 11th. And boy, have they. But again, back to what Dershowitz said. Uh, No, the Democrats, because they have secured information dominance thanks to the merger of state and corporate power and the information oligarchs, thanks to the fascism in America of the 21st century, they can take an isolated incident um, where only Ashley Babbitt was killed on January 6th, turn it into the biggest thing that ever happened, and then get back to looting and rioting and burning your city in no time at all, and that'll be fine. That'll be fine. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. Let's go to President Trump's lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, not President Trump's lawyer. In fact, he said last night, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Republican. But, right, I believe in the Constitution and all that good stuff. But that's uh, Alan Dershowitz, just a Harvard Law professor emeritus at Harvard University who educated Barack Obama and Senator Ted Cruz and so many other well-known names throughout the land. Lawrence Tribe is a dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore, uh, inflexible leftist and will never um, sound like Dershowitz uh, standing up for the Constitution and for uh, equity. They like that word equity. And equality, they like that word too. They just don't know what those words mean. You know, I'm crazy. Oh, so let's go to the president's attorney, Mark Smith. Uh, he was on the television this morning. Was it the 5 a.m. hour of the Fox News show? I was watching it for you so you could sleep in a little bit. Um, Trump attorney, and he worked, I believe, on the Trump campaign, the Trump organization, uh, Mark Smith. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution specifically says that we have the right to petition the government in all its forms if we have a grievance. Now, there's no dispute that Donald Trump and his legal team disputed who won the Georgia electoral votes in 2020. That was a legitimate fight. They took it to the courts. They took it to the Congress. They took it to the state legislature, i.e. the government, which they were allowed to do under the First Amendment. The First Amendment, well, the Democrats don't like the First Amendment. If you're a high school football coach and you want to say a little prayer on the field after a football game, they'll drag you all the way to the Supreme Court to try to prevent you from exercising your religious freedoms. But if you're with the Temple of Satan, and you're in Chesapeake, Virginia, which they are, and they're demanding school events with the children, it's always the children, Skittles and Temple of Satan, the Democrats want to get to the children because they always want to get to the children, don't they? Yes, they do. First Amendment, my rumpus. They don't believe in your right to petition, which is what President Trump did. Of course, their right to petition is intact in 2020, uh, in uh, 2004, in 2000, in the governor's race in Georgia. Uh, Their right to petition and their right 
their right to uh, claim that it was stolen is intact. Uh, constitutional attorney, First Amendment attorney in particular, Mark Smith. It's the world's worst criminal conspiracy, as I see it, because he was telling everyone every step of the way his plans, why he thought he had won, why he thought the Congress should do what it did, or you know what what it should do uh, from his point of view in terms of auditing the results and whatnot. So it's the world's worst criminal conspiracy because every single step of the way he was saying what he was doing and why he was doing it. And again, that indictment, uh, while it has a lot of criminal language in it, it really just describes a legal process that they were fighting uh, because they did disagreed with what was going on with the election. Rightly or wrongly, they had the right to petition the government and uh, raise their issues, which they did and ultimately lost, but they were allowed to argue it. That's exactly right. You know, in the United States of America, until these commies came along, you had a right to be wrong. Now they've criminalized. Let's just say that some of the claims made are not entirely true. That doesn't make them criminal you fascists. Now, let's go to um, another uh, Trump attorney, Alina Haba. Alina Haba uh, on the subject. She was on the television on the Fox News channel last night. The fact that we have people standing by and leaks to the press before I've even seen his indictment, before the indictments even come out, is exactly the problem that we have in this country at this moment. It's a politicization. And Fannie, by the way, on Thursday and Friday, updated her campaign website. Has anybody spoken about that? It's political lawfare. Political lawfare. It's warfare by law. And they try to imprison, as the left does. Putin just put one of his political enemies in prison for 19 years about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh, because that's what commies do. And he's a KGB colonel, a killer, a murderer, a commie, a former Stasi officer, East German secret police for Democrats listening along. And uh, you guys are a lot like KGB colonels and Stasi officers, too. Uh, she likes to be called funny, not Fanny, because it's Swahili, not English, because she's not on our side. And her father was a Black Panther, which makes him a radical and an extremist. Then he became a lawyer. So he was a Black Panther lawyer, which makes him a radical extremist lawyer. Here's uh, Fanny Willis yesterday uh, indicting President Trump. The participants in association took various actions in Georgia and elsewhere to block the counting of the votes of the presidential electors who were certified as the winners of Georgia's 2020 general election. Boy, I tell you, they just give me too much stuff to get to. Got this crazy New York representative elected Democrat named Charles Barron who's a racist. He's black and he's bragging about driving white people out of his district like he's the Klan. He should be wearing black hood and sheets. Not that guy. And uh, your Democrat, well, Canadian Democrat, a man who won the powerlifting competition. Uh, Only one wrinkle in that. What is found on the young man, skillets and IT. Ah, yes, skillets and IT. Pay him a million dollars as a journalist. The Reverend Al Charlatan racist, anti-Semite. There is another uh, Democrat racist, anti-Semite. He's African-American, who is a member of the New York City City Council. His name is Charles Barron. His name is Charles Barron, like the land baron. 
And uh, he's been cited by the Anti-Defamation League for his association with anti-Semites. And, and here he is bragging about driving white people out of his district in New York City. I have the distinct honor to be able to come before you and say I actually lost white population in my community. <laughs> I lost them. They left. They left. I didn't ask them why. They left. So if you see one or two or three or four or five whites in my neighborhood, they're passing through. Now, if, if you took that quote and changed the word to blacks and uh, you had a white politician say it, that politician would be a Klansman and would be lynched by the Democrat Party. But when you're a black Democrat, racist, anti-Semite, 20 years plus on the New York City City Council, get out of New York City. There is a, another, a liberal, um, goes by the name of Ann Andrus, and I have a bunch of cousins named Andrus. I hope there's no relation. But Ann Andrus is actually a man, won a weightlifting competition in Canada on Sunday, broke the women's Canadian record because he's a man, and it is the unofficial world record for women weightlifters. Why is women's bench so bad? I mean, not compared to me. We all know that I'm a tranny freak, so that doesn't count. And no, we're not talking about Mackenzie Lee. She's got little T-Rex arms, and she's like 400 pounds of chest muscle, apparently. An actual woman. I mean, standard bench in powerlifting competition for women. I literally don't understand why it's so bad. Now, that is a man and um, don't say biological man because biological is superfluous. It is redundant. It is unnecessarily duplicative. That's a man with male genitalia, and every fiber of its being is man. If you found his burned-out body in a burned-out car, uh, the, all the scientists would tell you, no, every fiber with DNA tests, it's a man. The hip bones, man, it's a man. And the man just won the powerlifter uh, competition in Canada and broke the Canadian record for women. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs> 